In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. Were you listening to the colic today? We often just sort of skim through the collect, but today it's saying something very important, very important about God and about us. It's saying that God is so good that he wants to give us the deepest desires of our hearts and our minds and our lives as human beings made in God's image. He wants to give us the deepest things that we can even conceive, and even better than that. God wants to give us things that are so good and so wonderful, they're beyond what we could even come up ourselves if we were to make a checklist. Just read the colic again, not right now, but later. Read the colic again because it basically says God is so good that he wants to give us really good things. And if we could just get out of the way and do it his way, we can even have some of these things now, and we're especially going to have these things in the age to come. Now, that's not uh, that's not what the sermon is about, more or less, but I just was struck by that language of the collect, and I couldn't resist in mentioning it. There is a true connection, though, because uh, this word abide is a an important word in John 15, and in our epistle to John. But we don't use the word abide. When's the last time you said to someone, would you abide with me, please? No, we don't. So what does abide mean? What does abide mean? If you were to go back to last week, Father David talked about how we're supposed to abide in the vine, and Jesus is the true vine, and we're the the branches, and we're supposed to abide in the life of the vine. And today, in our gospel, we are abiding in the love of the Father and of the Son, and that we are uh, to remain and abide. What what is that language about? Well, it, it comes from a Greek word, meno, and meno means to remain to dwell, or even to live. And so if you were to take John 15 and replace every time that it says abide and just say live, it might become more clear. So Jesus might be saying to us, live in me as I live in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it lives in the vine, neither can you unless you live in me. Uh, He would go on to say, if you live in me and my words live in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified in this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples Then we get to our gospel passage for today. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Live in my love. If you keep my Father's commandments, you will live in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and live in his love. Are you getting the picture? It's just a little bit different and it might be helpful. Our passage partially uh, ends with... 
a connection to the colic. All of this is that the joy of Jesus, the joy that Jesus experiences as abiding, living in his Father's life and love, and doing his Father's will, that joy of Jesus needs to be in us. Jesus says, all of this that I'm teaching is that my joy will be in you, and that your joy, our joy, would be complete. Jesus wants us to have fulfillment and completion and joy. He wants us to live in him so that he would be the source of the life that runs through us. And we're not trying to do everything on our own. When we try to do everything on our own, we are working with a limited supply. Now, there's a lot of intelligent people in this room, people far more intelligent than me. Uh, and so intelligent people, educated people, they really have trouble with this because they've been so successful in many parts of life on their own. They think they've done it on their own. They really haven't, but they think that way. This is about the spiritual life and at the very end of our life, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and Christ will decide who was successful and who wasn't. So the way that we count on success culturally in our part of the world is yet to be determined because the person who really decides that is in fact Jesus himself, the risen Lord. So we have to be careful about how we are running the race because it could be that we are mistaken about how the race is to be won and what the prize is about. And now I'm going to quote a wonderful, wonderful, pithy statement by Phil Taggart. Yesterday we had Shirley Barr's husband's funeral, Phil Taggart's husband. And it was a lovely service. Uh, Shirley's son, Shirley was here at 8 o'clock, by the way, uh, and was happy to see her. Shirley's son shared one of Phil's statements. And the statement is this. Is the prize worth the race? Is the prize worth the race? Now, that's that's really smart, smart thinking, right? Is what you're going to have to put into something worth what you're going to get out of it? Is is the prize worth the race? Jesus himself said that. You have to count the cost of discipleship because there is a cost to it. But Jesus is promising that being his disciple is actually worth everything that it costs in this life. So is the prize worth the race? Well, this begs the question of what type of race are we running? What type of life are we living? I ask myself this same question that I say to you. What is the prize that we're seeking? That's another good question. What am I doing all this for? What is this about? Where is this all headed? So at the end of our life, do we find that we had some mistaken thoughts about what the race was about and what the prize is about. And I think, yeah, as we get older, 
we start thinking, well, golly, in that part of my life, I was all caught up in this or that or the other thing. But I see things clear now. But I'm here to say today that, in fact, the prize of life is Christ himself. He is the goal of everything. We are made in God's image. The image of God is his son and word, Jesus. He is the true image of the invisible living God. And we are called to be in him so we can become like him. So we can glorify God because that is the prize of life. We also find that the actual race that we are running is Christ. It is Christ himself. It is that daily walk, that daily union of living in him, remaining in him, allowing his life, his spirit to flow through us so that we can become everything that we're called to be and everything we want to be and beyond even what we can ask or imagine or desire. Because that's how God is. That's how good God is, rather. So, the race and the prize is Christ himself. For the only question for us is, how do we live in Christ? How do we do that? Well, before we get there, let's talk about the promise. What does Christ promise us if we are going to live in him? If we are going to remain and dwell and abide in him? We're going to be connected to him as a source of life to be his disciple in order to finally become like him, which is the prize, which is the goal. What does he promise us? This is really good. Really good. He promises us abundant life that leads to eternal life. He promises us love that deepens and becomes even greater Agape love, the divine type of love. He promises us that if we'll keep his commandments and stay on track, and when we get off track, come back on track, because that's a lifelong part of this, that we will have his wisdom to live in this world, because we're keeping his commandments. Jesus promises us that we're going to be friends with God. That's what it said. We're going to be a friend. We're no longer servants, Jesus says. We have become insiders because we know what God's doing in this world. We know that everything is about the love of God. And God's love permeating everything in the universe in his creation. And so we become friends with God. Now that's better than even having a famous person as your friend. It's better than being in an entourage, right? Being in an entourage is cool because you're kind of close to, you know, the main uh, girl, the main guy. It's, being friends with God is a lot better than just being in the entourage. We have as a promise for Jesus, from Jesus, that we can glorify God by bearing fruit in this world. And if if in our minds we're not seeking to glorify God, which we can all get tracked, we need to get back on track. We're not here to glorify ourselves. We're here to glorify God because God has given us the life. Jesus has offered his life. 
Jesus is offering all of these lists of things, and this is about glorifying God with all the gifts that we have had. So God loves successful people who are humble and do it God's way because they glorify God. Well, we bear fruit because we have the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. That's the life of Jesus expressing itself in and through us for life. At the very end of it, we are children of God. Children of God that can overcome the things in this world that would tend toward death and darkness and decay and corruption and shame and trying to put everybody in categories, trying to keep people in disrespect. You could go on and on. But we overcome all of those things by our faith because we know that remaining in Jesus, by living in Jesus in that communion and union with him, that all of that is secondary and will be overcome if it's not already overcome because Jesus is victorious over all. All the stuff that the world could throw at God in Jesus has been overcome. Therefore, the last promise that we have is, in fact, joy. Joy. Dallas Willard says, Joy is a positive outlook of hopefulness based on a pervasive overall sense of well-being. Joy, like love, has a feeling component that is pleasant. Yet joy, like love, is not a feeling. Joy maintains a positive posture in life that assumes that good will be supported and eventually triumph over every apparent obstacle. Therefore, joy is fully compatible with the experiences of pain, disappointment, or sorrow because joyfulness always takes a wider view of circumstances and works with hope to expect good to prevail. Isn't that a great... uh, He's a philosopher. Doesn't, Doesn't that sound like a really smart philosopher person? Okay. Well, uh, let's talk about how to live in Christ. This is my personal experience because I have to tell you that, uh, I really can't preach to you until I've, uh, preached to myself. So I'm just sharing a little bit of my own life, my own journey. And it, it is at this point that your rector cannot function without doing it this way. It's not that I'm so holy, and it's not that I'm so righteous. It actually has gotten to the point that the pressures and the expectations and what we're trying to do and life in general is so significant that I have to do it God's way. Or I would go cuckoo. And I shouldn't say cuckoo. I would have a breakdown. I'd be in the car headed to California. And as soon as I got to the coast, I'd get out and just walk on the beach and say, whatever happened to Stuart Bates? We don't know. He went to California. He's on the beach somewhere. 
He's he's left. He's just you know, left everything. No, I, I don't want you to be concerned. Because uh, <laughs> I'm not going to California unless I'm invited, maybe. But but uh, but no. The the truth is, I have found that I have to do this in order not to just be crazy. And I don't want to be crazy on you. I don't want to be crazy on my family. I mean, this. so this works for me. Okay? And that's what I'm going to share. It works for me. I think it will work for you. It's worked for people for as long as you can go back in the Christian faith and life. It's just taken me a long time to consistently do it. And now I know I have to do it, which is good news. I can't do it any other way. So this is what it is. Every morning, every morning, whether I have to wake up at 4.30 or 5, if I can get away with waking up at 6, man, that's great. But it doesn't matter. I have to wake up early and I have to entrust myself to the risen Lord Jesus Christ. I have to give him my life. I have to give him my will. I have to give him my family, my relationships, my challenges, my meetings. Now, Paul stated it a different way. He says, I die daily. What he means is he dies to his ego daily. He dies to his self-will daily. He dies to his flesh daily, which is always seeking satisfaction with power and pleasure and prestige and all the things of, of, of human uh, want, desires. He says, I die daily, but to state it positively, I'm entrusting my entire life to the risen Lord Jesus Christ every single morning. Because if I don't, I'll just get off track really fast. So, I go through my day with my meetings, with the people that I'll meet, with all the situations of the day, and turn those over. Now, I know how I want those meetings and these relationships and all of these things to go. I know exactly how I want them to go, but they may not go that way. And that's okay because I've given up the outcomes to the Lord. Maybe there's a bigger project, maybe there's a bigger, wider view in life than I know about. And so I give these things over and basically say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And that's a phrase that you can use all day long to stay in Christ. Well, we trust that his life, that Christ's life will flow through us. So I'm trusting that the life of Christ will flow through me during the day and that that life is adequate enough, strong enough for me to make the good decisions that I want to make and I need to make all day long. That life is flowing through me. It can flow through anyone so that we treat people with respect and love and dignity and to try to do our very best. And in this way, we glorify God, our Heavenly Father, every single day. So the promise is, is that the life of Christ, the life of the Spirit, can express itself 
in each person in the unique, unique way that is necessary. Now, last week, David talked about prayer, and prayer is central, but there's other things, the Holy Communion and service and staying in community, staying close to one another so we won't be found in isolation or loneliness. But these are all parts of life in Christ and finding victory uh, in Christ. And so that's where it's come to. I've finally gotten to that place where I really can't get through the day without starting this way. Well, glory, hallelujah. I think that's the way it's supposed to be. But I really have no other alternative. So I thought I would just share with you what living in Christ actually means for me. Amen. Amen.